Uh, it is my honor and my privilege to invite our speaker, our preacher, to the stage tonight. This is her first time preaching at a New Philly service, so it's a very exciting evening for us at New Philly, and I'd like to welcome to the stage, to the podium, our own intern pastor, Emily Soon. Please welcome her warmly. Emily. I am an intern pastor here at New Philadelphia Church. I've been here for a little bit over a year now, and um, it's actually pretty packed here. I thought that after the Mays kids left, it was going to be really empty, but awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. <laughs> I'm originally actually from Seattle, Washington. Um, today, oh, John, yeah. Uh, today, <laughs> It's actually my mom's birthday in Seattle right now, so I have to give a shout out. Happy birthday, mom! <laughs> Happy birthday, mom! Sangya Phailong, come here, poem. Don't they have time to enjoy? But I love you very much. <laughs> um, I actually have a friend from Hong Kong here, so she knows exactly what I said, and all I said was "Happy birthday." Sorry, I can't spend it with you today, so. Um, there's actually a lot of visitors here today, I think. There's a bunch of people from Australia. Yeah. And then there's actually Jenny here, too, from Living Water as well. And uh, she was actually one of the last people I met before making the decision to come here to Korea. So it's really cool seeing you. Um, but yes, um, Happy New Year. It's almost the New Year. Only, I think, three, about three more days until the New Year. Um, I've been reflecting a lot on my New Year's resolution. Uh, this was the first year that I actually made one. <laughs> I'm not that into New Year's resolutions, but our whole staff decided to make resolutions together. And so I thought I'd give it a try. And then I always hear about people saying, I never keep my resolution. So I'm really goal-oriented. I was like, I'm going to keep it no matter what. And uh, I actually made three resolutions. One was um, that I would only eat kimbap once a week. <laughs> that one was because I'm, I have so much to do and I'm always so busy that I always give up fellowship time just for a quick kimbap. And so that way I can keep myself accountable time-wise. Uh, my second resolution was that I would choose certain people throughout the month. Like, each month, I would bless them extravagantly. Okay, so um, that's what I did. And I did it every single month. And it was really cool because, once again, when you're busy, you know, you just don't have time for people. <laughs> but, <laughs> but having that person, knowing that month, I need to bless this person once no matter what, it really helped me. And then the third resolution I had was to listen to two podcasts a week. And um, I did it. <laughs> I think there was only two weeks where I only listened to one podcast. And I kept track of it in this Excel file. <laughs> it was like every week, kimbap one or zero, one, zero. And um, so, yeah, so I've been reflecting a lot on this year. 
I've been thinking about a lot about what I did this past year and how I've changed and how I'm going to change next year. And um, Pastor Aaron actually preached on the God of today a few weeks back. And she said, um, don't forget. She was exhorting us to not forget that God is a God of today. And that too often we always think of the past and then the future. But then we forget that God's here today. And so um, that was a good word. If you haven't gotten a chance, check it out. It's called the God of today. Um, But during her message, like time and time again, she kept saying that, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that God isn't a God of the past, present, and future. She said that like two, three times. So you guys wouldn't think that God is only a God of today. And so today, we're actually going to be focusing on how God is a God of the past, present, and future. Okay? Um, let's open up our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. It's the last chapter of Hebrews. And if you guys have something to take notes as well, go ahead and take that out. Uh, I actually gave my roommate a little bit of a preview last night, and uh, she said it's a really heavy sermon. (laughs) And she actually told me to cut it down. So I did cut down the fat, but it's still a lot of food. So um, get ready to digest. Okay, you guys all there? All right, let's just read it together. It's a really, we're only actually going to be preaching from one verse today. So let's read it all together in unity and be lively. Okay, it's just one verse. Let's do it justice. Um, Oh, sorry, 13.8. Yes. Are you guys ready? Okay. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. (laughs) All right. How many of... Oh, actually, let me open up in prayer. (laughs) Uh, God, I just thank you that you are, in fact, a God of yesterday, today, and forever. And that, God, you never change. And so, God, I pray right now that, Lord, you... You would release, God, the revelatory power of your Holy Spirit, God, into this room today, God. I pray, Lord, that hearts would be open to fresh revelation. God, open up our spiritual eyes today that we may be able to receive, God, and be able to trust you and renew our faith at the start of the new year. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay. So how many of you guys have actually heard of this verse or are familiar with it? Raise your hands. Okay, most of us. Most of us have probably cited it too because it's a pretty short verse and it's easy to memorize, right? Yeah. Um, how many of you guys have actually thought about how exactly Jesus does stay the same? Okay, kind of, yeah. Um, because the reason why I ask is when I look through the Bible, it seems like Jesus is always changing. <laughs> you know, it says that Jesus got hungry. That is change. Um, It says that Jesus was crucified. I don't know how your body can stay the same if you get crucified. You know? And then, like, it says that he 
was about 30. That means he had to have been a baby, and then he was a child, and he was an adult, right? Um, he, it says that he grew and became strong. It says that he increased in stature. And so I was confused. So I was wondering. And then I, in my philosophy class, actually, we learned about this one guy named John Sabrino. He's this Latin American theologian. And his argument is that um, God can't be the same because God is love. So if God loves and he says that love involves suffering. If God cannot, if God cannot suffer, he cannot love. Therefore, he has to change. Do you guys get it? Got it? It's confusing to me. It was really confusing to me. <laughs> but anyways, that's not my point. We're not going into all of that. It's a, it's a huge um, philosophical debate. But my point is just to get you guys thinking, how exactly is Jesus the same? Okay, so we're going to... Um, Try to make sense of all of this, okay? So the first thing we have to understand, actually, is that as people, as human beings, we change, okay? That's my first point, is that we change. Um, it's really actually hard for us to understand how God is changeless. It's hard for us to grasp uh, this concept of a changeless being because we are constantly changing and the world around us is constantly changing. Okay. Um, I mean, can any of you guys say that you guys don't change? Minus number of years, you guys are all babies. You guys have changed. Okay. Um, or if you've ever gone through like depression or even like a breakup, you know, you get into this zone. You're like, I'm never going to get out of this. And then what happens? Time goes by and you heal with time. You change over time. So the reason why we change is actually because we as human beings, we're subject to time. Okay. Uh, Thomas Aquinas, he's a really famous philosopher. He says that time measures change. Okay, we are subject to time, therefore we change. Okay, we cannot escape time, we cannot control time. Um, time is always forward moving, we can never go back, right? We can never turn back time. That's how we get that phrase, um, only time can tell. Okay, to us, time is also relative. You know, sometimes we're like, oh man, time flies. Or, oh, why is time going by so slow? Okay. Hopefully you guys don't feel like that right now. <laughs> but um, no matter what we feel, time, we cannot control time is what I'm saying. Okay. So we are controlled by, we're not controlled, but we're restricted by time. And actually it's a good thing because if we knew what was going on, if we could control time, we really wouldn't need faith, would we? If we knew everything that was going to happen, we really wouldn't need faith. And so, in, in, if anything, a restriction in time should actually be um, an urgent call for faith. Okay. Um, okay, I'm going to be real with you guys. <laughs> I'm going to share a little bit about some of the conversations, so I'm in, I'm currently at Torch Theological Seminary, okay, and I, 
the one reason why I really love Torch isn't really because of school, but because of my friends there. <laughs> I have been able to just form a really good group of friends there. And when I first, to be honest, when I first came to New Philly, I was having a lot of trouble being myself. Okay, I don't have that trouble anymore, so don't worry. Um, but I did. I had a lot of trouble being myself. And when I went to Torch, it gave me an outlet. I could, I felt like I could be free. I could be myself. I could talk about my past. I could talk about my experiences. And um, I'm going to be real with you guys today and re- kind of share about some of the conversations I've had at Torch. And uh, what happens is a lot of times when we get together during lunchtime, for some reason, one common topic is childhood. We always talk about our childhood. And in those conversations, somehow it's always about lunchtime. I think because at Torch, there's a cafeteria that we're always at, and it's, we eat the same food every day. And I think it just reminds us of when we were in elementary school, or bad memories. I don't know. <laughs> but um, we always talk about childhood. And in the beginning, those conversations is always, we're all in agreement, because we're all Asian American. And so we're always like, yeah, I remember that time, you know, did your mom ever pack you fried rice? And then you open up the fried rice, and all the white people are like, ew, what is that? You know? And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's always how the conversation starts. But how the conversation ends is always me saying something like, yeah, and you know, like, didn't you pack, didn't you pack your own lunch and put apples and normal things like peanut butter sandwiches and then go to school and tell your friends that your mom made it? And then people would be like, oh, no. I'd be like, dang it. You know, and that always happens. Or we'll talk about bullying. And they'll be like, yeah, I was bullied. And like, yeah, didn't someone steal your lunch money? And I was like, yeah. And on the bus, especially, didn't they shove pens in your cheek? And everyone was like, oh, no. And I realized, I realized that I had a really odd childhood. You know, I always thought everyone went through that phase. But I realized I was really socially weird. (laughs) And so when I think about those conversations, man, I have really changed. (laughs) I mean, I hope that I don't look like a boy anymore. And I hope that I don't get made fun of. I mean, no one could ever mess with me anymore, you know? And so I really changed. And we don't even have to go back to childhood. You know, think back yesterday. Yesterday, we changed. I know I did when I was preparing for the sermon. Oh my gosh, I was so tired. Today, I've changed. I got majorly convicted by this, my own sermon. And then tomorrow, after preaching my first sermon, I will have changed. Okay? So we change. We change. But we also see this change in the Bible. So all the, figu- all the characters in the Bible are historical figures. They're all restricted by time as well. The Bible is linear. It's always moving forward. It never goes backwards. Um, But did you guys know that actually Jesus Christ was also subject to time? Uh, If you guys want to turn with me to Matthew 24, verse 36. Uh, This is the passage where uh, Jesus' disciples are asking about Jesus' return. And I'm going to read 
whoever wants to follow along, I hope you guys are there. I'm just going to read it, though. Uh, Jesus' response is, uh, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, Jesus, but only the Father. Okay, Jesus doesn't know the day and hour. So this should kind of be like, what? Because why? If Jesus is subject to time, and earlier we said time measures change, that means Jesus changes. But Hebrews 13.8 says God, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay, so how does Jesus stay the same yet is not the same? I wish I had an answer for you. (laughs) I really do. But the thing is, I've never been fully man and I've never been fully God at the same time. And no one has. Okay. So even if you ask like some, the most educated theological, whatever, 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 uh, they wouldn't know it's, it's a mystery. Um, But the thing is, is we know that Jesus did do everything constrained by time. And because of that, he was the ultimate man of faith. Okay, so Jesus was constrained by time as well. So my first point to sum it all up is that we as human beings, we change because we're subject to time. And Jesus being fully human, although he was also fully God, was not an exception. Okay? All right. And anyways, even if we understood it, again, we wouldn't need faith, right? Okay. Uh, The second point is that God does not change. Why? Oh, wow. I kind of sound like PC there. No? (laughs) Why? (laughs) God doesn't change. Why? (laughs) Uh, Because he is the Lord of time. Okay. How is he the Lord of time? He's eternal. When we read Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, another word for forever is eternity. Both of them kind of mean a limitless amount of time. Okay? Time that goes into infinity. Now, earlier we said that time measures change, right? That's what Thomas Aquinas said. He also said eternity measures existence. So time measures change, and eternity measures existence. His definition of eternity was one that it's endless, a limitless amount of time. We can understand that. His second definition of eternity was simultaneously whole. Let me explain. I I feel like all your guys' eyebrows are like going this way right now. Um, so what simultaneously whole means is that it lacks excessiveness. So when we think of time, right, we think of it as two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, January, February, March, 2012, 2013. We always think of it successively, but with eternity, it's simultaneously whole. It just is all at once. Got it? Okay. (laughs) 
So in the Old Testament, in um, well, another way that God shows that He's just He just exists, another way He expresses that is not only the God of time, but the Great I Am. Okay, let's turn to Exodus three, thirteen to fourteen. This is the great I am passage where Moses meets God at the burning bush. You guys all there? Just look up at me when you are. Okay, cool. Uh, let's read it all together. Verse 13 and 14. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Are you guys following okay so far? Okay. So here I am. If we look at the Hebrew text. It's actually the verbal root is haya, which means to be. Is that funny? Okay. <laughs> I didn't think that was going to be funny, but okay. Um, it means to be, okay? What's so funny? Oh! Haya, okay. <laughs> oh. Okay. Um, okay, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, it means to be another, de- but it can also mean to become. Okay, so I am who I am. Moses asked, asked God, who are you? What's your name? Normally, we say, my name is Emily. My name is Christian. My name is Allison. That's my mom's name. Happy birthday, mom. Uh, <laughs> my name is something, right? But God says, I am who I am. He doesn't reveal anything. All we know about him is that he exists. Okay. Now, in the Hebrew, the translation can be, I am who I am, I shall become who I shall become. And if you actually look at the text, it's actually in the future tense. It's literally translated as, I shall become who I shall become. Um, but I am who I am, I shall become who I shall become. Basically just means... That I am the one which exists. Because I am right now and I will be then. A lot of people think that become means, does that mean God changes? Because it signifies something like he is not yet reached. Right? But the thing is, it's not that God's incomplete. It's just that he's being revealed. Okay? He is inviting us to follow him so that we can know him more as he reveals himself through his actions through time. Okay. <laughs> In the New Testament, Jesus also uses this I am. In Greek, it is ego Amy. Ego, Amy. But normally in Greek, um, there's normally an object after this. Ego, Amy. 
And what it literally means is, I myself am. I myself am. But the thing is, it normally falls with an object. So we see this multiple times in the New Testament where God's, where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the true vine. Okay? This should signal something because God and Jesus is the same, if you guys didn't know. Okay? <laughs> Through the Trinity, they're the same. Okay? So if God says something, that means Jesus said it. If Jesus says something, that means God said it. So if we see the Old Testament and the New Testament, God is revealing himself now. Before, he only said, I am who I am. But now he's saying, I am the true vine. He's revealing himself to us. Okay? So from the Old Testament to the New Testament, God, Jesus, does not change And he's just revealing himself so that we can follow him. Okay. Okay, so my first point was that as people, we change because we're subject to time. My second point was that God does not change because he's the Lord of time. And then my third point is, although we are subject to time, our faith is not. As the new year approaches and it feels like we're, we're running out of time, we have to remember that our faith is not subject to time. Our faith is not earthly. Our faith doesn't settle for lesser promises because of the urgency of time. Our faith doesn't call for man to start working his powers because we haven't seen God do it yet because the year is drawing to an end. Right? Why is this? Why is it? Because God is not moved by calendars. Okay? God is not moved by calendars. God is moved by faith. God moves by a spiritual calendar. A calendar that sometimes we can't fully see. Okay? And just because we can't fully see it doesn't mean that it's a time for us to abandon faith. Now, at New Philly, we have been contending this entire year for, to see 500 people in this hillside sanctuary on a Sunday. Okay? The year is coming to a close. What does faith say? Faith says, I really admire Jesus, how he brought in the sons from afar in a creative way that we never would have imagined that added to this house. Faith would say that through sons of afar, we probably already have reached 500, and we just don't know it. What about the people that have it on their hearts to become sons, but haven't made the decision yet? There's 500 out there, even if we can't see it. Just because the year's coming to a close doesn't mean increase stops. Just because it's coming to a close doesn't mean that intimacy stops. God is not moved by calendars. God is not moved by time. And neither is our faith. Our faith is in a God who is the Lord of time. He's not moved by calendars. Therefore, our faith should not be moved by calendars. Amen? Okay. Also, you know, I mentioned our Emmaus students. We had the Best graduating Amaze class yet, and it's only going to keep getting better. A lot of them left last week, but man, they were fireballs of faith. 
They really, really, really were. And just all the faith that they've sowed in this entire year in Korea, just because the season has come to a close, just because their semester ended, okay, just because they've gone home, doesn't mean that all the faith that they've sowed in just stops, that they can just abandon their faith. Y'all listening better not abandon your faith. Okay, I'm just saying... Because all that they have sowed in, they're going to reap it. If they haven't reaped it here, they're going to reap it in their own churches. They're going to reap it in their families. Maybe they're even creating more sons of a father that's adding to our progression right now. You know? And so, man, God's really not moved by time. I have a lot of time, so I'm actually going to share one of my favorite testimonies about how God is the Lord of time. And I always wondered, should I share this when I'm up here as an intern pastor on the pulpit? But I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So I always wondered if I shared, if I was a pageant girl, it would legitimize myself, you know. But I'm going to do it because this is a really awesome testimony. So I actually grew up, um, I started doing pageants when I was about 17. I've done quite a lot. Um, my f- a specific testimony that sh- really shows that God is the Lord of time is two years ago, I actually was in Miss Seattle. <laughs> I was in Miss Seattle, and it was actually my first pageant ever where I did it as a believer in Christ. And so my outlook was completely different. I was thinking, what I was thinking was, wow, I can be a light in this industry. I can, when those little girls look up at my crown, no longer is it, yeah, aren't I pretty? But it's, oh man, come here, let me lay some hands on you and impart some love of Christ on you. You know, (laughs) it was, for me, it was all about influence. I wanted that influence to affect the young girls that look up to all these girls with crowns on their heads. And so that was my vision. And I never felt God's calling upon Miss Seattle more. Okay, there were five things that really confirmed that I was going to win that passion. <laughs> the first one, okay, and one of the biggest ones was right before that pageant. Now, Pastor Christian had been my spiritual mentor for a while, but... Right before that pageant, I actually sent him an email asking him. There wasn't sons from afar then. You guys were kind of spoiled. But there wasn't sons from afar. And I had to, you know, gather the courage, send him an email and be like, hey, I'm really vibing with this whole sonship thing. And will you please be my spiritual father? You know? And I did that. And I don't think he responded right away. But I knew I was covered. <laughs> I knew I was covered. Okay? The second thing that I had was... Um, in that arena, it's hard to find a spirit-filled believer. A lot of them claim to be Christians, but a lot of them aren't. Well, I hope they never get a hold of this podcast. <laughs> but you know what? God, that year, had given me a mentor who was, like, we just knew it in our eyes. Like, I was like, is she Christian? And she was like, is that girl Christian? And, like, we sat down over coffee, and we just found out we were both fire-filled believers. And so I had this fire-filled mentor, and, you know, I'd be doing my walk on stage, you know, doing my thing, and I'd look out at her, and she'd be like, <laughs> she'd just be praying. I was so covered. I was so covered, okay? The third thing, the third thing, 
I had to raise like thousands of dollars through sponsorship, and it's not like they get this, they get any benefit from it. It's like they have to buy an ad, but it has to be an ad with your picture on it. And so it's really hard to raise this money. And uh, they were just telling girls to like go from restaurant to restaurant. I mean, how embarrassing is that? You know, I'm running for Miss Seattle, and I was just wondering if you know you want to buy an ad. So embarrassing. And I was really dreading it. But what happened was I have a church member who owns a restaurant. And I just, you know, I worked part-time there. And I asked him, I was like, you know what? If you could just buy, like, a small ad, you know, it's just a small one. <laughs> that would be really great. And he didn't ask me any questions. And he was like, I'll buy all of it. I'll buy all the ads. Give me all the pages. And I was like, Wait, what? And then he was like, yeah, um, when do you need the check by? And I was like, well, it's only the first day of orientation. You can give it to me whenever you want. So I'll just write it for you now. It was crazy. And I was like, this is totally God. God totally wants me to be Miss Seattle. Okay, um, number four. Number four was um, one of my best friends that I actually met right after I received Christ. Uh, she's my bestest, bestest friend now. And um, what happened was my dad, on the day of the pageant, he drove me there eight hours earlier because I have this big old instrument that I play for the talent part. And uh, I had to be there earlier for dress rehearsals and things like that. But I got there significantly early. And as I was going there, the whole parking lot is empty except for one car. And I get out, and my best friend, like, bust out of her car. She's like, Emily, I've come here to pray for you. And I was like, wow. You know? And you know, before a pageant day, before the pageant day, you actually don't eat that much because before your swimsuit number, you want your stomach to look flat. You guys are learning a lot, huh? Um, but you don't eat that much. You eat really minimally. And she knew I was starving. So she had like a little bag of crackers. And then she came up to me, and she's like, I came here to pray for you. And she just, like, puts a cracker in my mouth. And I was like, ow, ow. <laughs> this tastes like a burger. It's so good. <laughs> but she was like, I was like, why are you here? And she's like, I've come to pray for you. I believe that God wants this for you. She, like, laid hands on me and prayed for me. And then I was like, you want to help me with my instrument in there? There's no one there. You can go backstage. She's like, let's pray over your instrument. And I was like, okay. And so she came backstage, and then we were shabbing it up all over the place back there we're laying hands on my instrument we're laying hands on my dresses on my makeup we're like <laughs> you know and um i was so covered in prayer i was so covered in prayer okay and my final one my final confirmation that i was supposed to be miss seattle <laughs> is most of us here are asian right yeah um, our parents are more quiet compared to other people. And I grew up with that in high school, middle school, you know, assemblies. There's always this Filipino guy in front of me. And every assembly or graduation, when they called his name, it'd be like, and then when it was like, Emily soon. And my family always did the silent golf club. And I always was so, je I, my family's awesome though. I was always so jealous though of that loud uproar. And all the pageants that I did before Christ 
was the same. I had, the, I think at that time I was number seven. The girl before me was number six. She was a cheerleader for the Seahawks. Okay. And so you can imagine before me was her. And when she went out, it was like, woo, 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 like, Katie. And you know, oh, I shouldn't have said her name. Something, something. <laughs> and then when it was me, I'd walk out and it was just like, where's the silent clappers? And it'd be like, you know? And then I always wanted that loud uproar. Always wanted that loud uproar, but I never got it. Um, my family's awesome, though. The point is, is they were at everything, though. Family is amazing, and I like it that they're quiet, but I just wanted to experience it once. Uh, <laughs> but what happened was, when I did Miss Seattle, uh, I was plugged into a really awesome group of believers. It's my first community as a Christian, and um, I remember we were waiting backstage, right, to go out for the opening number, and what they did was, instead of, instead of, yelling out the the names of the contestants they would just show this video the producer made this video and so you could only tell who was on the screen by the by the yelling and so everyone was like oh that's me that's me definitely i heard my mom and i was like thinking i was like rolling my eyes i was like great i'm not even everyone's gonna know when it's me because it's gonna be silent and um right once again right before me was an african-american girl and she was like, y'all don't even know. <laughs> she was like, when my family goes on, it's going to be crazy. And it really, really was. It really was. She's like, y'all are going to know. And when her family went, it was like, <gasps> you know, it was like crazy. But you know what? I was like standing there. I was like, okay, I'm waiting for my silence. Right after her, it was like, I was like, how come hers was an ending? And then all of a sudden, I felt the stage move. I kid you not, I started rumbling. And I was like, is that for me? I glanced a little bit, all my friends with signs. And I was like, I started tearing up. I was like, oh my gosh, this is what the kingdom of God is like. (laughs) I was like, Oh my gosh, like the kingdom of God is cheering me on. And I just knew I had to win that pageant. I was like, the favorite of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me. Yeah, long story short, I didn't win that pageant. And I lost by like two points. It was so close, and I was devastated. I felt like God tricked me. I felt like God gave me a promise and forgot. I didn't know God was the Lord of time. I didn't know that God doesn't change. I didn't know that God's promises didn't change. And I completely dropped my faith with a quickness. I went into severe depression. Okay? It wasn't good. But fast forward one year later, I find out that if I had won that pageant, I would have had to serve two years. Why? That pageant went bankrupt. The pageant went bankrupt. How did I find out? I tried to get this. I I won a lot of scholarship money. I was almost there. But I tried to get my money 
and they were, and they had to reveal it to me. They were like, we don't have money. And not only that, but girls in previous years didn't get their money. So it had been an ongoing problem. I not only would have been representing a bankrupt pageant for one year, but two. And I'm not saying it, it would have been bad. I mean, it's an honor to represent that pageant with that title, right? But honestly, if I had to do that for two years, I wouldn't be here. I would not be here. And by the time they raised enough money, I was already in Korea. So how are they going to get that money to me? It was wrapped up, tied up in scholarship money too. I wasn't in school at the time. I was like, what am I going to use for it anyways? You know? But what happened was because I was in Korea, they had to send the money because it was so late. They couldn't do anything about it. They sent it over cash as support for my intern pastor program. See that? (laughs) God was just revealing himself to me. He was inviting me into a place of closer relationship with him. Okay, and like this year, if that if I had one mosquito, I don't think I would be here. I really don't. Um and through that, I mean, this whole year I've been here, I have stepped into the most intimate relationship I've ever had with God. He has revealed so much to me. I mean, if I think back just four years ago, I was actually standing right here on the stage, like on this side, and it was my first time in this sanctuary. And I remember Pastor Christian prophesied over me, and he said, like, you have the Abrahamic blessing of something. And I was like, <laughs> All I was thinking in my head was, who is Abraham? <laughs> you know? And here I am today, four years later, preaching on this pulpit, telling you that God is the same. He was the same to our fathers, the God of Abraham. I know who he is now. Isaac and Jacob. He never changes. His promises never change. He's forever trustworthy. Okay. So I, if you're having trouble understanding what's going on right now, why, what's God doing right now, I really want you to reflect on this testimony. I didn't share this testimony because it's just because God is so great. God is really great. (laughs) But um, in this testimony, he was amazing. But honestly, if you think about this testimony from my perspective, it wasn't a very good testimony. Why? Because I abandoned my faith. And I'm using this as an encouragement to you guys to learn from my example. Okay, look what God had in store for me. He already knew that his plans were for me to come to Korea. He already knew all this in advance. And so we can't doubt him just because we can't see into his spiritual calendar. I want to, going into the new year, I'm all about like New Year's resolutions now. And um, my theme verse for this year is Isaiah 48, 17. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. So I want to wrap this up by asking, uh, what have you guys been praying for this year? What have you been praying for that you may not have seen 
come to fruition? What have you been praying for that you think God hasn't answered yet? Is it a loved one? Okay, is it for a relationship? Is it for a job? Is it for an increase in salary? Is it for a ministry position, leadership position? I personally, I've been praying for the salvation of a very specific person. And I've been claiming it persistently since the beginning of the year for 2012. Like this person will be saved by 2012. And I've done everything that I can possibly do to minister to this person. Hey, I haven't seen this person saved yet. But what is faith saying? Faith is saying? Faith is saying that when this person does get saved, his testimony is going to start from 2012. God is not incomplete or changing. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But things may feel uneasy because he's in the process of revealing himself to you. So don't abandon your faith because of time, but have faith in the Lord of time. Let's bow our heads in prayer. God, I just thank you so much that you are the Lord of time, God, and that there's nothing that can keep us from falling back upon that truth. God, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Forever. You invite us into eternity with you, God. And so I just pray right now, God, that every single person in this room, whatever they've been praying for, God, that they would never abandon faith. Never abandon faith, God. I thank you, Lord, that you are the same, God, and that you provide us with so much comfort because of that. I thank you for all the ways that you have planned out and mapped out things, God. And even with our distrust, even with our abandonment of faith, sometimes, God, you still are there for us. And so, God, I pray as we go into the new year, Lord, that that we would never abandon our faith, that we would stand firm no matter what it seems like time's telling us, God, that you always have the best purposes, the best things for in store for us. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen.